0: or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclive.org and click on the giving tab and choose online campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today. and We hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Hey, super quick. If this is your first time at any one of our locations here at Greenwood, at Franklin, at Banta, Garfield Park, or your first time joining us online, we want to welcome you. Can we give it up for all of our first time guests today? Thank you for accepting someone's invitation and joining us today. If you're not brand new, welcome back. Uh, we're in a series right now called The Ultimate Guide. We're going to jump into that in just a moment. Before we do that, I just want to reflect a little bit on what I was feeling there just uh, during that last song. Maybe some of you are feeling it too as well. I remember as a little boy growing up, I had two older brothers, and so we were all uh, shared a bedroom with one brother. We had bunk beds, and my other brother was in the other room. But before we would go to bed every night when we were little, my mom would come into our bedroom, and she would talk with us. And then before she would leave, she would literally get on her knee and and she would have a prayer time with us, and as a little boy, you know, I'm just kind of learning and listening to my mom's prayers, and and she would pray about this and about that, about different family situations. She'd pray for my dad and pray for some other things, and that whole time when she would pray and take a, just a few moments just to pray, I'd be thinking about the theology behind it. My brain was going like, does she really believe that somebody's out there? You know, like God is really. And then I, be, I came to. I came to have a a similar belief, and every time she would pray, a little bit of her faith would transfer to me, and it would encourage my faith, and as she would talk to Jesus, then I would start talking to Jesus. And here, all these years later, now I'm in, in my 40s, and I'm still talking to Jesus because my mom talked to Jesus. And now, today, it just blows me away that not only am I talking to Jesus, but I'm talking to you, about Jesus it just it just I go back and I, I cannot believe the influence that my mother has had on my life mothers never underestimate your small efforts your small prayers your hugs your listening your tenderness with your children can we just give it up one more time for our moms you guys are amazing I want to thank my mother if you're watching mom I love you thanks for being a great mom so we are in a series right now called "The Ultimate God," and we started last week by talking about how there's all these books out there that have the word "Bible" in their title. There's the Money Bible, the real estate Bible, the Training Bible, the, the Prosperity Bible, all these different Bibles, and in fact, there's one called "The Swoley Bible." And I, I snuck into Pastor Cody's office this week and I stole his copy, and uh, it's got all of his notes in there, and it's like, "Wow, no, no wonder he's so swollen, you know? It's like, he just, I got all your secrets." Cody, on the back of it, it says, swole, the state of being huge. See also, jacked, ripped, shredded, cheddar, <laughs> freak beast. <laughs> so thanks for letting me borrow this, Cody. I'll, I'll put it back this week. Um, but yeah, man, there's, there's a Bible for every topic. I found one this week called the Yoga Bible. It's unbelievable. I pra- was trying to practice a few of these moves. What do you think about this one right here? It's about the only one I can do because the rest of these look like they would hurt. I'd get hurt. <laughs> but man, there is a Bible for every single topic out there. Why? It's because the word Bible carries with it the connotation of authority. It, it, it means like a comprehensive knowledge. And so you put the, the word Bible in the title of your book, people are going to pick it up because they realize, man, this book must have everything you need to know about yoga, about money, about how to get swole or whatever it is, right? And it's true. This book, the actual Bible, is a comprehensive knowledge of life, of God, of you, of your heart, of relationships, how to do sexuality, how to do friendship, how to parent if you're a parent today, how to do a marriage if you're married today. It is in this book. The Bible is the ultimate guide for life. This book stands alone in its own category. There are millions of other books out there that are written this book stands alone because it's the only book that is inspired by God. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture from Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning to the end, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and for training in righteousness. That simply means that this book shows us what's right, what not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Why would we do a series on this book? Well, it's real simple. There's a lot of confusion out there today. People are really, really uh, confused about life and where life is found and how to be happy and what satisfaction looks like and how to be content. People are confused about what's right. Today in our society, people are being taught that, that what is wrong is right and what is right is wrong. What's up is down and what's left is right. There's so much confusion out there today. And people, you can see the evidence of it anxiety is like through the roof depression is through the roof people are turning to substances just to get through their day I mean life is really really hard today because there's so much at least in part confusion about life what we said last week is what if it's not that complicated what if life really is not that confusing what if this book really does have the answers in it? What if, if we opened up this book and actually did what it said, what if we could find life the way it was meant to be lived and find true happiness and contentment and peace and joy and satisfaction? Now, you might say, well, that sounds naive. Could it really be that simple? Well, I didn't say that. Jesus was actually the one that said it. In Matthew chapter 7, he said these words, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, talking about the sermon he just preached, on the Sermon on the Mount, where he talked about giving, he talked about trusting God, he talked about fasting, he talked about uh, uh, sexuality, he talked about how to handle stress and anxiety, he talked about how to handle somebody that's your enemy. Jesus was teaching about life. He says, whoever hears these words of mine, my teachings, and watch this, puts them into, say it with me, practice, doesn't just listen to them, like, oh, that was a good sermon. Oh, that's fun, wasn't he funny? That was good, I like that, I agree with him. No, 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 not, not that. But whoever hears the teachings and puts them into practice or obeys them, this person is like a wise man who builds his house on. A rock then life happens right because life happens to everybody even the good ones right rains come down and the the streams rose and the winds blew against that house you know somebody dies there's a there's an earthquake there's a famine there's a you know a plague there's a you know a job loss or so, like life happens to all of us and, the, and that and life beats against the house but guess what it doesn't fall the house doesn't fall why doesn't it fall because it has it has its foundation on the rock how do you build your life on the rock Jesus says you, you, you take the words that I'm teaching you and you put them into practice. You're not gonna have a pain-free life. There's, no one gets through this life without pain. Everyone will experience pain. But during the pain, you will, you, your house will stay strong. You have to take the words and you have to obey them. That's what Jesus is teaching. That's my heart's desire. That's why I read this book every day. I love this book because it builds my house on the rocks. So over the next couple of weeks, what we said we were going to do is just look at some of my my favorite passages in the Bible over the last 20 years that have really helped me to build a solid life. So last week, we looked at Galatians chapter six, verse eight and nine, uh, verse seven and eight, pardon me, uh, that you always reap what you sow. I'd like to preach that one again, but I'm not going to. You can check it out on YouTube. It's right there on the app as well if you wanna look back at it. Today, I wanna look at another principle that has so shaped my life and continues to shape my life and, 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 and found my life on the rock. If you're taking notes, check it out. Principle number two, take care of your, say it with me, your soul. Did you know, did you know that you don't have have a soul. Did you know that? You say, what? No, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. And that's not semantics. That makes a difference. You see, you have a body. You're not your body. You have a body. See, upon death, if you've ever been to a funeral where there's an open casket, you pass through, everybody pays their respects, they come down front, they pass the the casket, and there's a There's a body in there. But you know and I know that that person is no longer in that body. See that? What happened? Their soul, the the real them, has departed from their body. Yes? Making sense? See, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. One day you leave your body behind. Therefore, the Bible says, make sure you take care of who you really are, which is a soul. Listen to Proverbs, King Solomon wrote these words, Proverbs chapter 4, above all else, <laughs> before you do anything else, there's lots of things we have to take care of in this life. You have to find a job or a career, you gotta find a spouse and get married, you gotta decide whether or not to have kids or not. By the way, I was thinking earlier, you know, last year we were the fourth fastest growing church in the United States of America, and I'm like, how did that happen? It's like, well now I know, y'all were having babies like crazy. <laughs> It's like, well, this explains it. You know, y'all are getting after it, growing the church. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) That is another sermon for another day. (laughs) Maybe I don't even need to preach that, okay? So above all else, King Solomon says, I want you to, Guard your heart. This word guard means to watch over or cultivate. It's as if you have a garden and you're trying to grow vegetables and, and you're making sure that there's no insects and the rabbits aren't getting in and, and it's getting enough water and you're, you're cultivating the soil. That's what this word means. Cultivate your, say it with me, your heart. Before you do anything else, before you decide to start a family or, or start a business or go back to college or what, before you do anything else, guard your heart. Why? For everything you do flows from it. All of your actions, all of your reactions, all of the words you say. Isn't it funny how sometimes people will say after they say something really nasty, oh, I didn't mean that. Hogwash. Hogwash. Not true. Everything that you do comes from your heart. Jesus taught this about our words. Listen to this, Luke chapter 6. For from the mouth... (laughs) speaks, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Where do our words come from? They come from our heart. In other words, what's on the inside always comes out. That's how it works, because the real you is on the inside. Another way I wrote it like this, if this isn't making sense, your, your outer life is an overflow of your inner condition. So if you have an angry soul, then there's going to be angry actions. If you have a deceptive, manipulative soul, you're, you're going to lie. Like, like the, 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 the outward life, your outward life is just a manifestation of what's going on on the inside. Wow. That isn't a popular teaching, is it? What is a soul? Anyway, you ever thought about that? soul. What is a soul? I'm going to lean into uh, Emmanuel's favorite dead guy. That's the way Pastor Aaron says it over at Banta. His name is Dallas Willard. And he is the leading expert, in my opinion, on the soul and what the soul is, both from an experiential uh, avenue, also the academic avenue as well. This is what Dallas said from his book, The Renovation of the Heart. He said, soul is the hidden or spiritual side of the person. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. It's the, in, the, the non-physical part of who you are, the intangible part of who you are. It includes an individual's thoughts and feelings with, the, with their heart or will, along with their heart or will, with its intents and choices. It also includes an individual's bodily life and social relations, Now, that's a mouthful, and he used to be a philosophy professor when he was alive. And so I'm going to give you the diagram to kind of put these words into something you you can get your brain wrapped around. This is what it looks like. This is the soul. On On the middle there, in the center of who you are, there is the will. Outside of that is the mind and the emotions. Now, the will happens to be passive. This is very important to understand. Your will is the place where you decide to come to church or not come to church, to wear khakis or jeans, to eat pizza or grilled chicken or whatever we always were making choices all day long well the will is not doing anything without a thought or a feeling in other words our feelings and our thoughts impact our or put choices before our will and then we decide from there so how important are our thoughts and feelings they're extremely important now dallas includes the body and the social dimension or our friendships now i happen to disagree with him on this and it's easy to disagree with a dead guy because they can't argue back (laughs) that's not very funny I thought it was, but I would, I, I would disagree with the fact that he puts the body and the soul in there because the body, again, is something that the soul leaves upon death, but it lives in the body, and the, and the reason he puts it in the circles is because the body has a major influence on how we feel and what we think, and therefore what we decide. And he also understands that the friends that we have around us, the people around us, have a massive influence on how we feel, what we think, and therefore what we decide. So he, he, just, go ahead, he, just, he just moves on and includes it in the soul. But if you really want to know who you are, the intangible part of who you are, it is what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're doing. And that part of you is non-physical, and it departs from your body upon death. Now you have a full understanding of your soul. Isn't that fun? (laughs) Now we got to figure out how to make the thing work right. Here's what Jesus said about the soul. Listen to this in Matthew chapter 16. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world? And watch this statement here. Lose your own soul. Is there anything worse more than your mind and your feelings and your decisions? Like, is there anything worth more than your soul? King Solomon says, no, above all else, guard your soul because everything you do flows from it. Jesus says, what does it matter if you have all the money in the world? If you, if you bought Bitcoin at $1, what does it matter now that it's $58,000 per coin? <laughs> what does it matter if you're a billionaire? What does it matter if you have all a, a private jet and all the things this money that this world can offer? You've got fame and fortune. What does it matter if you have all of that and yet lose your soul? Now, traditionally, this, this, this uh, statement is taught from the perspective of, you know, going to heaven or going to hell it sounds like this, a lot of preachers will say, hey, you know, don't chase after worldly things because if you do, you'll lose your soul and you'll spend eternity in hell. Now, that may be true, may not be true, but that's not what Jesus is teaching here. He's not talking about the afterlife. He's talking about this life right now. And he's saying, it's not worth chasing all of the trappings of the world if your soul is lost. What does it mean to have a lost soul while you're alive? In John Orberg's book, soul-keeping, he makes this statement. I love it. To lose your soul or to lose my soul means I no longer have a healthy center that organizes and guides my life. In other words, my mind and my will and my feelings are all out of order. They're working against each other. I'm thinking a certain way and I'm feeling another way and my decisions are back and forth and I don't even know why I'm deciding what I'm doing because I feel this way, I think this way, I I feel this way and I think this way and it's all in turmoil on the inside. You know anybody like that? Am I describing you? Do you know anybody who's gained the whole world but lost their soul? I don't know. Think of Whitney Houston. Think of Robin Williams. I think just, just think of Robin Williams, how shocked we all were when he committed suicide. What a unique talent. What incredible success. I mean, that guy could make millions and millions of people laugh and laugh and laugh. He was so talented. He had everything this world could offer. And inside, his soul was in turmoil. Chris Farley? Michael Jackson? Elvis Presley? I can keep going. What does it matter if you have all of the fame if you become a professional athlete, a professional singer? What does it matter if you have everything but inside your mind and your will and your decision? It's all jumbled up and it's not working correctly. That's what it looks like to have a lost soul. Jesus says, don't let it happen. Solomon says, watch over your soul because everything you do flows from it. Not long ago, Jackie was driving down Main Street and she was about ready to turn onto 135. If you're watching from out of state, you don't know where this is, but we we here in town, we know where it's at. There's a little intersection there. It's actually a main intersection. And uh, right before she's getting ready to turn onto 135, her car breaks down and just stops, stops running. So she calls me because, uh, you know, I I can fix cars. (laughs) I happen to be close by, I said, I'll come right over. you know, and I don't have a clue any about cars. And so I see a buddy of mine, he's, he's right behind me and I see him in, the, in the, my rear view window. I call him real quick. I said, hey, can you follow me to Main Street and 135? Uh, I'm sorry, 135, And yeah. And he's like, alright, so, so I'm bringing my buddy with me. We get there and, and she is just, the car is just dead right there and, and there's traffic backing up on Main Street, 135. It's real busy. It's the middle of the day on like a Friday. It's just, it's just it's chaos. I get out of the car. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden the police show up. Woo, woo, woo. Now there's a scene. You know what I'm talking about? There's a scene. People are taking pictures. Pastor Danny, yo, waving at me. it's like, now it's not the time. I cannot pray for you. You know, just <laughs> keep moving, keep moving. And, and so the police officer tries to get the car started, and, and he can't get it started. So we got to call the wrecker. And we're just waiting there. and There's nothing you can do. And, and, here, and so then they get there, and they, they, they drag the, the, this car, this beautiful car. This is like a Buick Enclave. This be- beautiful car on the outside. Like, just gorgeous, gorgeous car. But the engine won't work. What good is it? This is what Jesus is saying. What good is it if the outside looks all oh, shiny and new and beautiful, but the engine breaks down? Don't let it happen. There's nothing more important in that car than the engine. There's nothing more important in your life than the condition of your soul. You hear what I'm saying? That's what Jesus is saying. What does a lost soul look like? In your notes, in your notes, like this: a lost a soul is lost when its parts are out of alignment. When your mind and your emotions, they're not working right. You're not thinking like God, you're not feeling like God, therefore you're not deciding like God. The inner parts of your soul are working against God and therefore they're working against, you're working against yourself. And, and the, the feelings that you have in this condition are guilt and shame and regret. Anybody living with those three things? Guilt, shame and regret? Why did I do that? I can't believe this. I knew better. You're not alone. The Apostle Paul went through a phase like this, one of the most godly people to ever live. He wrote about it in Romans chapter seven. Listen to these words. Tell me if these words don't connect with you or if you don't resonate with them. He says, I don't really understand myself. For what I wanna do, I wanna do what's right, but I don't do it. Ever been there? Instead, I do what I hate. What's wrong with me? My mind is telling me to do the right thing, and yet my feelings are telling me to do this other thing, and so I decide to do the wrong thing instead of the right thing, and I know better. Guilt, shame, regret, regret. Verse 19, he says this. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is wrong. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. You ever been there? How many times am I going to do this and make the same mistake? <sighs> Chocolate cake. <laughs> you know, cake and cookies. I mean, we know. We know. We know. We do it anyway. What's going on? And that's a funny, a funny joke, but... But what's, when it gets down to like drugs and alcohol or cheating or, I mean, we, we screw our lives up. Why? Because inside our mind and our, our feelings are, are, are not in alignment with, with God and what God is thinking, what God is feeling, and therefore we're choosing. Remember, remember, the will is passive. The will only decides when it gets input from the mind, when you have a thought. Be careful what you think because you're placing options before you will. So people say, well, I'm just window shopping really? When you window shop, you're putting options in front of your will. It's only a matter of time before your will says, I like that. Let me choose it. Guilt, shame, and regret. You say, man, you're really talking about my life. I know I am. You want to know how I know? Because I'm a human too. And my soul many times is out of order. My thoughts and my feelings and my decisions are not right. They're working against what God has revealed, what I know to be the right thing to do, and yet I still do the wrong thing. This is the human experience. What do we do? How do we heal the soul? I'm so thankful that this book hasn't left us in the dark. It's why I read it every single day, because it shows us how to go through this life, and it shows us about our own soul and how to be healed. I want to look at one particular passage in Mark chapter 12 where Jesus reveals how to heal the soul. Somebody comes to Jesus in Mark 12 and says, of all the commandments, Jesus, which one's the most important? There's like 614 of them. And maybe he was just talking about the 10 commandments, so maybe he's saying, you know what, out of the 10, which one's the number one? Jesus says the most important one? Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter six. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's quoting from the Old Testament. Watch this, ready? Love the Lord your God with all your, say with me, your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he says there's a second commandment that's similar to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. What is the answer here? What is Jesus saying? Why is loving God with all your intangible, non-physical parts, why is that the most important thing in life? Why is that the most important commandment? Here's the answer in your notes. If obeyed, loving God would heal your soul. That's why it's the number one commandment. Because it would reorder your soul, put the pieces back together. It would fix the engine. It would make the soul, your soul, work the way it's supposed to work. It would get your mind and your will and your emotions all working in harmony with God's will. You see, moms, you know this, you know what loving what it means to love. You've got kids, and um, you, know, you understand that, that love is at, at the base level. Uh, At the root is doing what's best for somebody else. You get that. That's what love is. Love is not necessarily feeling good about your kids because sometimes you want to strangle them and lock them in a dark basement for a week. (laughs) Amen, mothers? I'm not trying to be dark. I'm just saying sometimes you don't feel very good about your kids because they're psycho. They're just absolutely psycho. Okay? (laughs) Just being honest. But, but even after you, know, you have these negative feelings about them, you still love them and you still want to do what's best for them. Love, love, biblical love is not always feeling good about somebody. If that were true, Jesus could never have said, love your enemies. Nobody feels good about their enemies. They want to kill their enemies. Jesus says, love them, which means do what's best for them. So moms, you know what it's like to love. You do what's best for your kids. Biblical love is doing what is best for another person. So what does it mean to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Here's what it means. Ready? Watch this. To commit your mind, your feelings, and your will to doing what is best for God. Now, if you will buy that idea, it'll change your life. Here's why. Because it will realign your thoughts, your feelings, and your will around what is best for God. See, the reason we're screwing our lives up is because we're not thinking what's best for God, we're not feeling what's best for God, and we're not doing what is best for God. We're thinking and feeling what's best for us, what's best for my life, what's the most comfortable thing, what's the most pleasing thing, and then we make choices that screw everything up. Poor choices come from a disorganized center. You see? When the mind and the will and the emotions are out of whack, they're out of of alignment from what God wants for our life. But once you decide to love God, and commit to do what is best for him, you start to think like him, you start to feel like him, and therefore you start to do things like he would do them. See, in your notes, I wrote it like this. Loving God brings your soul into alignment with God's will, or what God wants. Years ago, there was a little bracelet that came out called WWJD. WWJD. Remember these? What would Jesus do? Fantastic idea. The only problem is strapping this onto your wrist doesn't make you do what Jesus did. (laughs) And we all found that out after we strapped it on our wrist. We're still jerks. But we got the priesthood on. (laughs) It's like, no, if you really want to do what Jesus did, you actually have to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You actually have to reorder your soul around what's best for God. That takes a long time, folks. I wish I could zap this into you. I really could. I wish I could pray a prayer over you and everyone would decide to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and their soul would be reordered around what God, what's best for God and we would start to experience the abundant life that Jesus Christ gave, came to give us. I can't because it doesn't work that way. It's a process of realigning all of the inner parts of our body, all the inner parts of our soul around what is best for God. Sure, wear the bracelet if it helps you to think and feel and therefore decide like God. But this is more of a decision that you and I have to make every single day. Jesus said it like this one time Above all else, seek the kingdom of God. First things first, seek the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. What was he saying? Was he saying something different from love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? No, he's not saying that at all. He's saying dedicate your life to seeking what is good for God. That is what it means to love God. It's the same command. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Isn't it interesting that King Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do comes out of it. That sounds different from above all else, love God with all your might, heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it's not, it's not, it's the same commandment because, watch this, if you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you will at the same time guard your heart above all else, it comes together, they, they end up actually being the same command. So what does that look like practically? Well, as you do that over time, you are able to go through a drive through and not cuss somebody out. I mean, it's just really simple. You are able to go through a drive through and not get your food and keep your calm and not yell at anybody or get in a fight. You're able to be patient with your children. You're able to, you're able to act and react like Jesus would in the moments of life because you've you've done the work on the inside. See, here's how we live, ready? We live from the inside out. Like, our outer life is an overflow of our inner condition. So as you work on the inner condition and get all healed up by loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you begin to think and act and feel like Jesus. So in the moments of life that matter, what comes out is the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness and self-control. Kindness. Courage, purity. You're able to resist sin in the moments of temptation. You're able to forgive in the moment when you are betrayed. You're able to do what Jesus did. Listen, if we cannot do what Jesus did while he was on earth, the whole thing's a sham. The book's a sham, it's a lie. He commands us to live like he did. He tells us to follow his example. He says we can be like him. We're commanded to be like Jesus. If that's not possible, it's a lie. But it is possible as we reorder our soul around what is best for God. Is this making sense? And as you do that, as you do that, you begin to demonstrate Christ-like behavior to everyone around you. It's a slow process, but it works over time as you commit every day to love God and seek his will and guard your heart. Here's my question I want to close with you today. Is your soul aligned with God? And what I'm really asking here, tough question. What I'm really asking here is, have you decided to take all of your intangible, non-physical parts and devote it to what is best for God? That is how you align your soul with God's will. And that is how you heal your soul. The book, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I've studied it. I've read it. All of the answers are right here. He tells us exactly what to do. So let me go back to what he said earlier. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And then the rains came in and the floods rose up and the winds blew against the house, but it did not fall. Why? Because her house, his house, was founded on the rock. You heard a lot of words today. What will you do with them? Will you walk out of here and go to lunch and say, that was interesting, I agree with that. Or I don't agree with that. Or will you leave here today and say, today I will take all of my insides, come on, I will take all of my insides and I will devote it to what is good for God. You do that, woo, your life's gonna change. You are gonna build your life on a rock. And you will start to experience What Jesus came to give you now as we wrap up let's talk about what Jesus came to give you (laughs) see the reason we know that love is doing what is best for somebody else is because God went first on this deal in fact this is how John the Apostle wrote it in 1st John we love we do what is best for others we do what is best for God because he first loved us what does that mean that means that Jesus did what was best for us what was best for us we needed salvation we needed forgiveness we've broken all the laws we needed redemption we needed mercy we needed grace listen to the words of jesus for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life what does that even mean john three sixteen. it means that he went first god loved us by giving us exactly what we needed most and that was a savior have you received christ's love today He died on the cross to forgive you. He died on the cross to remove the penalty of sin and shame in your life. Have you trusted him? Have you even started a relationship? In the song, I love the song that the team was singing just a moment ago. It's not about joining a religion, it's about a friendship. It's about a relationship. It's not about joining a church, it's stepping into fellowship with God by trusting Jesus as your savior. I'm gonna say a simple prayer, it's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of trust. It's a prayer of receiving God's love for you. It's telling him you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin and that he rose again to cancel the penalty held against you. If you feel led in this moment to pray that prayer and to receive God's love by faith, I'm gonna gonna invite you to join me and just pray this to to God. This, This is your moment. Just do business with him. It's like you and him in the room, nobody else. Maybe you're watching from home. You and him in the living room, nobody else. Do business with God. Trust in him today. Tell him you believe in him. Take these words and make them your own. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin, for rising again, to cancel the penalty that was held against me. I ask you to be my savior. Cleanse me, wash me of my sin. Make me a brand new person. I receive your love and your grace and your forgiveness today. From this day forward, teach me to love you with my soul, my mind, my feelings, my will, my friendships, my body. I take all of who I am And I dedicate it to doing what is best for you. Heal my soul. Put the pieces back together. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer our church wants to celebrate with you, don't we church? Amen. Come on, nice and loud. If you trusted in Christ today at one of our locations, we'd love to get you started with a little box we've called our saved box. Inside this box, there's a Bible. We want you to start reading that. Uh, There's some information about baptism, getting connected to the church. And there's also a coffee cup in here to, to say congratulations. If you're at one of our physical locations, you can text the word SAVE to 65248 and pick one of these up at the information desk in the lobby. If you're watching online and you trusted in Christ today, you can text the word SAVE to 65248 and we will send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory, amen? Hey, really quick, before we get out of here, I know it's Mother's Day, and moms, you're awesome, okay? You're just awesome, and I just want to give you a little love today. Uh, I know it's really tough to be a mother today in our world, and you need a lot of courage, you need a lot of strength, a lot of perseverance. One of the things that's interesting, and and I think it's unique about moms, is that you guys always feel like you're never doing enough and there's gaps and i should have and i why didn't i and and there's this thing called mom guilt out there and and it's tough it's tough to deal with my like i'm 43 my brother's 44 my other brother's 45 and my mom still struggles with oh i should have and i should have and i always try to tell her like hey we made it we're okay you know just don't feel stop with the guilt but it's just real it's just real i just want to encourage you moms today i was reading this morning in john chapter 6 and it said that uh, there's was, there was like a couple thousand people out there and, and they didn't have any food. And Jesus saw a little boy had a, had a couple of fish, two fish and five loaves of bread. He calls the boy over and says, you know, we've got enough. And then he prays and all of a sudden the bread and the loaves turn into enough food to feed like 4,000 people. And it just hit me, it just hit me. Like moms, you need to understand something. Like God will take the little bit that you have, the five loaves and the two fish, You don't think it's enough. You never think it's enough. I should have, I should have, I should And he will multiply that in your children's lives. And he will fill in the gaps. And I wanna encourage you with that today. Put your hope in him and trust that he will multiply your efforts. I wanna say a little blessing over you right now. Uh, It's from the book of Numbers chapter six. And uh, these words were actually given to Moses's brother Aaron. And in verse 24, it says, whenever Aaron and his sons would bless the people with this blessing, I myself will bless them. So as I read these words, I don't want you to hear a blessing from me necessarily. I want you to hear and receive a blessing from God as I pray these words over you moms today. Numbers chapter six, verse 24. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor to you and give you his peace. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for our mothers today. Perhaps more than any of us, they they needed to hear this message today to guard their soul, to guard their heart. All their mothering comes out of the inner condition of their soul. Bless them today. Encourage the mothers today to commit their hearts to love you. To do what is best for you. Give them your strength. May they feel your favor upon them today. Will you fill their lives today with your peace? We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen amen hey right now we're going to uh dismiss here in a moment i'm going to hand things off to the local teams before you do that uh, i want to encourage you to invite your friends next week to week number three of the ultimate guide the bible god bless you guys we'll see you next week right now i'm going to hand things off to the local teams we'll see you soon